Also, before I start this morning, I have one other thing that I want to do this morning. I'm going to ask Lucas and Brianna if they'll come up front here for a moment. I told them I would embarrass them one more time. And um, If you haven't gotten to know Lucas and Bri, they're a wonderful young couple, and they've uh, taken the time and gone through the membership class, and uh, they've agreed to become members here at Pointway, and, and we've agreed to have them as members, and so we want to welcome them as new members here at Pointway Church. So, thank you. Great. Good back to you. That's it. No long speeches or anything like that, so, but we're glad to have them here, and uh, what a blessing it is to welcome them to a point way here, point way family. I always say God continues to bring people in all the time, and it, uh, it, it grows the body, and they bring gifts and talents, and uh, again, we're thankful for that, and we're thankful as uh, God has you here this morning with us. Well, as if you were here last week, you know that we're kind of in between series and that we're working on one of the two purposes in the, the church. And so if I say to you, what is the purpose of the church, and you had to concise it down to two things, what would be one of the things that you would say? Give me one of them. Make disciples, right? That's, that's the one we're going to focus on today. But what's the other part? What's the other purpose of the church? Oh, man, encourage. Those are all parts of the church. Yeah, those are all parts of it. But there's, there's one other element. If you think about the Great Commission, worship is private. What's that? Go, go, right? Evangelize, right? Share the gospel. We, we sometimes forget about that, right? There's uh, the two main purposes. And yes, some of those other things certainly fill in that and all are part of sharing the gospel and making disciples. And so we're not at the expense of one, but we're going to focus this morning on disciples. And we started that um, last week a little bit, right? And who are to be disciplers or who are to disciple? We all are, right? We talked about older men and younger men. It kind of covers a lot of the men. That covers most of us that are here this morning, right? Older women and younger women. And I got into some trouble with Laurie about referring to her as one of the older ladies, but, but she's forgiven me. And so, oh, hi, Laurie. I knew you were there. Just checking. But we are all to be discipling someone, right? And then this morning we're going to take a look at what, that, what does that look like? How does that play out? And, and how do we do that? And a little bit of what it's going to cost us. Because it's going to cost you something to disciple someone. Right? It, what's, the, what's the first thing that you think of when, it, when it's going to cost you to say, what's it going to cost you right at the very beginning? Time. time. Right. And time is one of those things that we kind of take for granted, but it really it's our most valuable resource. And once we give it out, once we've gone by it, it's done. And we're not guaranteed any amount. We're, we have today, but we don't know whether we'll have this afternoon, tomorrow, or the next day. So when we give it out, it's gone. We can't get it back. We can't retrace our steps. It's gone. We've lost it for that moment in time. And so that's one of the main things that we have to give up when we decide we're valuable, but it's also... I'm also hopefully going to show you where that's one of, not only the most valuable, but it's also the most productive in disciple. In discipling someone, if you just come on a Sunday morning, or if you just come to a small group setting or a Bible study, and those are all important, and those are all helpful tools, you're missing out on much more. That's just a, a sliver 
of time. If you think about time in the relative to our time in our lives, right? We, we have many years and we have moments. We have 24 hours in a day. Some of us sleep, some of those, and, and we do other things. So it's a valuable piece, but there's a lot that goes on in a week. You only come here on Sunday morning for maybe two hours or so tops. Three if you're serving in the sound booth in other areas. So we're going to take a look at that a little bit, and we're going to take a look at the, the first disciples, and we're going to look at Jesus as he calls his disciples, and we'll see a little bit of that cost and part of that. Now, this morning I've chosen the Gospel of Mark. The guys in the sound booth already gave me a hard time this morning because I said, well, you know, it's in all four Gospels, and I said, well, why'd you pick Mark? Why, you know, you, you don't like the other Gospels? And no, that's not true at all. And, and in fact, uh, they're all equally important. In fact, it would be a great study. If you want to study that this week, look at the calling of the 12 through all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are all important. They all add bits and pieces. But I did pick Mark this morning, and we're going to stay in the chapter of Mark, uh, not the chapter, but the book of Mark this morning. And so let's look at some of the scriptures. And, and Jesus, as he started his ministry, he's beginning, he's just been baptized, he's ready to start his earthly ministry, and he starts calling his disciples unto them, unto him to, to follow him. And so chapter 1, verse 16 says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. We got two guys fishing. That's always a great way to start, right? <laughs> I did get an amen. Thanks, Joe, another fisherman. And, and many of you here are fishermen, right? But you have two guys fishermen. And again, fishermen in that day were not quite like they were today. They didn't have all the, the technology that we have. They didn't have all the, the lures and the better boats and things like that, right? It was more of a, a net, and they would throw a wide net out, and they would catch fish. And again, you took whatever you came into your net, and you would sort them out, and you would sell them, and you would provide not only for your family, but provide for others. So again, it's much different than catch and releasing. And yes, I know I take my pictures with my bass, and, and I put them back most of the time. And some of you say, why do you do that, Charlie? You could eat them, and I know that. But that's not always the purpose. But the fishermen of that day fished to eat. And that was uh, the main focus. And so you have these two you know, brothers fishing together. Again, trying to make a living, trying to provide. And Jesus walks along and he says to them, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Very profound statement that Jesus says here, right? This is uh, the first calling, and he says, come and follow me. And otherwise, he says, hey, follow me. It's more of a question, right? He's not demanding that they follow him. They're, he's asking them. These guys are fishermen, right? That's what they do. They, they fish for fish. They don't they probably have no understanding what it means to fish for people. As someone who fishes for different species even, you have to know what you're targeting. You have to know what, what they're attracted to, what they eat. You have to study. And you have to spend time with them to, to get to know their habits. And I can guarantee that they had no idea what they were getting themselves into, but Jesus asks a question... And I love this. The response is immediate. It says, and at once they left their nets and followed him. Now, again, I wasn't there, and I, I don't know exactly. Scripture doesn't tell us, but you think there might have at least been a, a couple of moments of thought. Why would 
some contemplation like, oh, what are we doing? You know, why, would we, why would we do this? Why would we go? We don't really know Jesus. We don't know who he is. And yet they go at once and they leave it all behind. Maybe if we read on, we'll get some more clues here and a little bit into to why or the, the what behind it. But it's interesting, the choice that they make right away to leave and to go and follow Jesus. Verse 19, it says, When they had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Again, I love the fact that he calls fishermen, right? That's, that's a, the first ones that he calls, is these guys, are these working men. And again, fishermen of that day were not well thought of. They were kind of rough, rough around the edges, right? They spent a lot of time on the water. They spent a lot of time with the guys, and they were working the nets, working the, the, the waters in order to make a living, to eat out. Eat out. And again, we see here where, where John, James and, and John, they're working the, the, the water, and, and again, they're working for their dad, and so it's, it's thought that they had a lot, a lot much larger responsibility. They had probably multiple boats and multiple people working um, these nets, and they may have been a little bit better off than, than Peter and, and his brother earlier on. But yeah, it's the same thing. They follow him, right? And again, we don't know... Uh, it says without delay. Right? So right away, they, they do the same thing. They go and they follow Jesus. Now, do they have all the details yet? Do they know when it's going to end, how long, where they're going? No. Can I liken that to us when we take on someone to disciple that we don't always know either? We don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know how it's going to go. We don't know whether they want to be discipled or not, or for how long. I kind of lived long enough and gone to enough places, and many of you know my story, how we've moved around a little bit, but quite often I think we only get little periods of time to disciple someone, to, or to be in someone's life even. Here in America, we're very transient. We don't typically stay in one area for a long time. And even if we do, we don't often stay in the same church for very long. And so I used to say we had, you know, at least a, a doorway, but now I, I call it a window. We have a window of time that we spend with somebody. And God moves his kids around quite often, quite a bit. And so if we only have a short window of time, also a lot of us, then we really need to be purposeful in that. But can I tell you, there's also a lot of unknown with that. Time is just one of them. But we don't know their response. We don't know what their needs are. We don't know where they're coming from. There are a lot of unknowns. And certainly here, these four men don't know where the journey is going to take them. Now, Jesus has the advantage. He does know. He knows where it's going, but he also knows the time. But we don't know that. And so it's going to cost us something to disciple someone and there's a lot of unknowns. That's point number one in this this morning. Going to drop down to chapter 2, verse 13. Again, we're, we're moving through, we're using Mark, and again, because we're using a topical this morning, not my normal, we're going to jump through some scriptures a little bit more this morning than we usually do. But chapter 2, verse 13 says, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, 
he saw Levi, son of Ephesus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. Levi got up and followed him. Interesting, he goes from fisherman to a tax collector. Again, I tell you, those are like two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Not your typical people that you would put together. First of all, tax collectors were, in that day were hated. They were not the, the most beloved. Again, remember, they're under Roman rule, right? They're, they're having to pay taxes. And does anyone here like to pay taxes? I'm the only one that has my hand up right now. But again, it's, it's part of it. It's part of responsibility. But, but paying taxes, but even worse, is the person that has to collect them. Right? That's, they're the, the, the messenger. They're the ones that's withdrawing the money. And quite often in that day, tax collectors were Jews that were hired by the Romans to do this, which Levi is part of that, or Matthew as we know him. He, he has to withdraw that money, but in order to make a living, he has to extract more than it. Right? That's where his, his payment comes by extracting more. And so if, it, if $10 was a tax, he would charge you 12 Keep two for himself, and ten he would turn into the Romans. That was his response. That's how he made money. And again, the tax was high, high at times, and it was a burden on the people. And he was the one that was in charge of collecting it. Also in that day, if you didn't collect for the Romans, you were in trouble with them. And quite often, you could be held responsible for the amount that was needed to be collected and thrown in prison. You'd pay with your life. So it was a high-risk job, but it was not well-liked. People didn't like them. Quite often, they're referred to as sinners, right? Because, again, they were extracting more than what they were supposed to in order to survive. Tough place, tough place to be. Not your ideal candidate or not the person that we would probably pick, right, to, to disciple. But yet, Jesus picks him. He asks the question, follow me. And again, Matthew responds to this as well. Verse 15, give you a little bit more insight into who Matthew is and his, uh, his profession that he worked at before he came to Christ. Verse 15 says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Fair enough question, right? Why is Jesus hanging out with these folks? Jumping back out to ourselves, when you take on someone to disciple or someone that you're spending time with, you may get asked the same question. Why are you hanging out with that person? Right? Quite often, God brings people into our lives to disciple that we wouldn't pick on our own. Right? There, there's someone that, that we may not necessarily even get along with or connect with, but yet God does that. He brings people into our lives that we are the disciple to bring alongside that we wouldn't get to know otherwise. I liken it to Teen Challenge. One of the things that I, I get to do and you folks allow me to do is to mentor. And in the, if you know anything about Teen Challenge and mentoring, you don't get to pick your mentee. You take whoever's next on the list. And again, a lot of times there's not a, a, a connection right away. It's not someone you pick. It's, they don't pick you either. You just kind of get paired together and you have to kind of make it go. Now, sometimes I get fortunate. I get some young man that loves to fish and that works out really well for me because we can at least have that in common and bridge the gap. But can I tell you, sometimes that doesn't work. God puts someone in my life that 
I don't have a direct connection to. I don't have the same likes. I mean, first off, there's an age difference, usually by and large, right off the beginning. I'm old enough to be their dad, and again, coming from different backgrounds, different areas, but yet God puts us together for a time. And so you spend that time with them and getting to know them. And it's amazing how God will bridge those gaps if you're willing to allow him to do that. And so the same thing here, Jesus picks Matthew or Levi. And again, different backgrounds, different spots, but yet God puts them together uh, in his wisdom, and he's part of that. And so the Pharisees see this, and they ask the question, why? Why is he hanging out with him? Why would he associate with them? Again, this wasn't proper. It wasn't part of the normal culture. And again, don't miss Jesus' response here. It's, it's, it's kind of cuts to the chase and kind of the, the whole reason for his ministry here. Verse 17 says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Again, the purpose, right? Jesus didn't come to save and rescue us. And you could spend a lot of time on that and looking at that, but that answers the question of why he called who he called, right? He didn't go to the temple and grab the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the well-learned, the well-studied, the, 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 the ones that were practicing. He went to the lake. He went to the outreaches, Right? the edges of town, the smaller villages, and he picked people as he went along. Again, he had many followers, but he picks only the 12. He narrowed his focus down. So that's calling of some of the disciples. Flip over with me here to to chapter 3, verse 13. We'll kind of look at a little bit more here as well. We see here in verse 13, Jesus has another gathering, another group here. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. Right? Again, he has a large crowd. An audience now has formed and out of that he's picking these people. In verse 14 he says, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Okay, let's back that up a little bit, right? Jesus had a purpose in picking the people that he picked. He picked people that he could use. He picked men that he wanted to work through, right? So again, I would say in our own lives, when we looked at this, we need to look at people that we can invest in in order that they can invest in someone else. Kind of helps us with that purpose, right? Why do we we spend that time with that person? Why do we invest in them? Again, it's not to get something for ourselves, but so that they'll invest in someone else. Kind of goes back to what we learned last week, right? About the the older men to the the younger men. Again, the generation thing, to go on to the next generation. It can also be laterally as well, to reach the current generation. But either way, it's to, to pass that on, to strengthen them, to disciple so that other people can disciple others. We should always be replicating ourselves as believers. Again, that's part of discipleship, part of what that, that purpose is in doing that. And so Jesus narrows the group down. He narrows it down to 12. 
12 that he's going to really invest his time in. Again, we know through the scriptures that he does invest a lot of time in those 12 particularly. They spent three years with him. Again, a lot of time. And again, it wasn't all messages. And again, if we look back at Jesus' life with the disciples, it wasn't sitting there pouring through the scriptures, but a daily walk with them, going through different circumstances, training them up, and then sending them out. Right? He sends them out to preach. And he sends them out to share the good news, to, to further the ministry. Again, we have the benefit of looking back through time. We can look back now at those, and they become the pillar, right? They're the ones that become the missionaries. They're the ones that become the leaders in the early church. That ministry just grows and grows and goes out beyond that. But yet, it started out with just a handful of men. See, we don't know the effect that we have on other people. We don't know where it's going to lead to when we invest in someone else. We don't know where they're going to take that ministry or go beyond it. It's been often said, we, we don't even, even when we look back in our current history, we look at, at Billy Graham or, or some of the other greats of the faith, and we, we don't know the person that led them to Christ, right? It's usually someone that, that faded in the background just during that was being faithful to what God had called them. Again, we don't know how far it will go when God's behind it. And so he sends out the 12, and he lists them here. And again, it's, it's important to, to note who they were. But again, they, they all come from different backgrounds and different spots and lives. And it says, these are the 12 he appointed. Simeon, who later he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, gave the same Bor, I guess, and then means the sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Apphias, Thaddeus, Simeon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Again, 12 men from ordinary backgrounds, from different walks in life, but those are the ones that he chose to use. And again, if you look through church history, they all suffered, most of them suffered with their lives. But they suffered in that they had to give up things in order to time Jesus. It cost them something cost them time, but it also cost them a lot of times their reputation, it cost them their families, it cost them their communities. So I would say to you this morning, it's going to cost you something to not only disciple someone, but it'll cost you to be a disciple. And again, counting the cost is part of it, but it is, can I tell you, it's well worth it. It is well worth the cost right, for the further of the gospel. Again, our perspective has to change a little bit. It has to be not the, the temporary, not the, 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 the inconvenience that it can be from that time with someone, or, or sometimes when we invest in someone, they, they don't always grow, right? They, they reject it. They, you can only go so far. Sometimes when you invest in someone, they, they end up moving, they end up leaving, and you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I, I was just starting to get somewhere with them. I was just starting to, to that relationship. We were just starting to grow, and, and you see some growth, but then they, God moves them on. They go to another place. And we see that over and over again in Scripture. And again, that's how the gospel spreads. That's how the church continues to grow. If we kept it in this small little area and just only a few, right, 
It would be stunted. It wouldn't have much impact. So again, our perspective has to change a little bit that it's okay. If we only get a window of time, we need to invest in that time that we have. I'd also say to you that you need to be purposeful in that, right? If you know that in your mind, you know that I may only have a short amount of time, then I need to be purposeful in that. I can't waste that time that I have with that person. It's great to, to start out to get to know the person, to develop the relationship, but eventually, and, and hopefully sooner rather than later, that you get down to the things that spiritually matter, and that you actually do that discipleship. Can I also tell you that it doesn't have to be, and it's going to sound weird coming from a pastor, it doesn't have to be there sitting with your Bible going through a, a passage, Right? doesn't have to be in a, a strict Bible study and that's all you're doing. That could be part of it. Certainly that's a good thing, but that's not all of discipleship. If you look at the life of Jesus in the three years that he spent, a lot of times it was just spending life together and answering questions as they came up. Just being there, being willing to give those spiritual answers. When PJ and I were taking classes for counseling, we quite often they, they had to, you know, do role playing and they would, they would talk about counseling in a counseling room session, but there was a lot of time that it was talked about counseling in an informal setting or indirect over a cup of coffee or just spending time with someone, uh, going out to their workplace, playing golf, fishing, those things would be included in that. Quite often it's that informal time, those times when you're just talking through life, that things come up. Now, like I said, you need to be purposeful and don't miss those opportunities. Be looking for those to speak into. But again, it's not always formalized. It's a lot of times just spending that time with people. Being spiritually minded and looking for those opportunities to speak into. Sometimes the greatest conversations have been during the week in the middle of a either fishing or playing golf or in a woodpile when someone's just asked a question like they're really thinking and they're struggling and say, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. I don't see God in this. And you end up launching into a, a deep conversation. Those can be almost as, if not more meaningful than a Sunday morning message. Yes, I said it. This is not the only focal point, not the only time that we disciple. So I want to encourage you that with that, and I also want to encourage you that as we're all called to do this, that you do that with that purpose in mind. And so one, we're all called, right? We're all called to disciple. Two, qualifications are willingness, right? Three, knowing that it's going to cost us, right? It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time and effort. And four, being purposeful. Those are the four things that I wanted to leave you with this morning uh, as you think about it, as you pray about who it is that you are to be discipling. And not worrying about the format as much as, as just starting the walk. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we've looked at the topic of discipleship, Lord, may I pray that each of today, someone that either we're already discipling or that you're bringing into our lives today. Or maybe tomorrow, Lord. And Lord, that we be willing as believers, willing as followers of you, Lord, that we would be willing to invest in someone else.
Lord, give us the opportunities. Give us the words to speak. Lord, may we follow you. May we be faithful in that, in our walk with you. Lord, may we also be purposeful in the time that we have and the time that we spend with each other and with our time with you. Lord, help us to continue to be faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.